Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Well, my name is Sean Wadiemi. Most people know me as Sean, but I prefer Sean, if you can pronounce that. <laughs> so we had an interview with Tim Challenge. Through provision, through uh, generosity, that man, the person who does not care for his family, is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. I, I often get a lot of questions, and some of the questions I often get asked is... I guess it depends what you mean by applicable. So everything in the Old Testament, we believe that as Christians that the Old Testament is God's Word. Some have taught that a seed faith offering is money given in faith that God will multiply it and return it to the giver. No, you are not commanded to give 10% to your local church. That response was perfect because it actually leads to one of the questions I often get. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to the Dollar Savvy Podcast. And here's your host, Sean Adeyemi, President and Senior Financial Planner at SA Capital Advisors. Thank you for tuning in. Remember, for archived episodes, visit sacapital.ca slash podcast. Also, we're giving you a chance to win a prize just for listening to this episode. Listen out for the code word and be the first to email podcast at sacapital.ca. Uh, today's topic is one that I think it's it builds on previous episodes that we've we've been talking about, which is um, today's on we're talking about generous giving and tithing. Uh, in today's Christian community, I find that the discussion on tithing and giving can cause division even amongst the most seasoned believers. On one side of the aisle, you have the prosperity teachers who promote a doctrine that that God promises to bless us financially if only we give and sow our seed to a particular ministry and so on and so forth. And then there are other schools of thought that happen to believe that the concept of tithing is a command for the church today. And that if you're not tithing, you're robbing God. And even emphasize that if you don't tithe, God won't bless you, referring to Malachi 3. And then there are those who believe the concept of tithing does not apply to us today And what the Bible calls us Christians to do is to give generously instead to the local church and elsewhere, meaning that we are to give as God compels us to give. So we had an interview with Tim Chalice. Tim Chalice is a pastor, an author, a blogger. He's written various books on visual. One of such books are Visual Theology, Do More Better, The Next Story, the, dis- the Discipline of Spiritual Discernment. Uh, you can find a lot of his content at chalice.com. And so we interviewed him, and we're going to play some of the clips of the interview and some of the questions we asked him. One of the questions we asked was, what's the Bible's definition of tithing? Because I think some people have this confused. I once had uh, a client tell me, well, I'm tithing 20%. So... Um, Here's what Chalice had to say.
history and trying to reconstruct exactly what was meant by the Old Testament law and exactly how it was followed. But in general, tithing indicates giving 10%. Um, the, the question is whether there is one tithe or multiple tithes, whether people gave 10% of everything, 10% of certain things, and on and on. But in general, when we talk tithing, we're talking about giving 10%, and really the first and best 10% of whatever we have to the Lord. So in Old Testament times, uh, some, there would definitely be uh, a couple of tithes, and it's just uncertain exactly how they came out, but it was at least 10% of uh, what people owned, what, what they were given, they would give away to the Lord. So to take this further, I asked him, looking at the context of Jews and Israel, why did God ask him to tithe? Who received the tithe? And what was done with the tithe? Here was his response. So to the Levites or the priesthood, and they would distribute from there. Uh, at that time, the tithe was essentially the same as, and overlapped anyways, with what we would consider taxation. So in order to, to run the nation, in order to run the central priesthood, which was uh, really the equivalent of government, the people would have to give, they would give there, and then it would be distributed to the priests, to the Levites, to the uh, poor as necessary, and so on. So really, as Israel began, there was not a central government. There was this, this priesthood that's, that functioned in that way. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, where, that's where it went. Um, what, what did, why did God ask people to tithe? It was to support this structure. Uh, and really, there's, there's two parts. Tithing is, of course, a sign of gratitude to God. It's God gave this to me, and out of gratitude to him, I'm giving some back that shows, uh, shows my heart in it, that I'm receiving it as a gift. I'm saying, I don't own it anyway, so I'm going to give a portion of it to the Lord and, and live off the rest of it. Um, but it was also then much more simply just to support this, this structure for worship and for governance. So the follow-up question to that was, is tithing still applicable to Christians today? I guess it depends what you mean by applicable. So everything in the Old Testament, we believe that as Christians that the Old Testament is God's Word. And so um, for every good work. So yes, we need all of God's Word, and we have to look at all of God's Word and understand what it means and how it applies to us. But again, that, that was something that happened, that the tithe was a product of a certain time and a certain place. And the, the commands to tithe are not repeated in the New Testament. So once the nation of Israel no longer existed in the same way, once, God had, uh, once the gospel had gone out beyond just Israel to um, all people, to all nations, uh, the, the tithing command is never repeated. So... Is it applicable? It's always applicable in the sense that we can learn from it, but it's not applicable in the sense that the tithe is demanded of us as it was demanded of the Israelites uh, many millennia ago. No, you are not commanded to give 10% to your local church. There is no law binding you to give 10% to your local church. So in previous episodes, we've, we talk a lot about generous giving and why it's important in the life of every believer. You can find it at uh, messacapital.ca slash podcast.
but because we believe these principles, um, the principle of generous giving is important for believers. So what did we asked him, so what does that look like in the life of a believer today? If that's what God calls us to do, here was his response. As, of course, as you read the words of Jesus, you, you come to the understanding that God is not now laying down a number. You must give 10%. Instead, he's telling people to live with generosity. He's calling us to live in a close community of Christians who care for one another. He's telling us to go and make disciples of all nations, understanding that that will require funds, that if we're to send people, um, church planters, missionaries, to the far side of the world, it will take funds to send them there. Um, it, it it requires us understanding that there are people in the church who must be cared for, you know, widows who are truly widows, as Paul describes to Timothy. We must care for those people. That falls on us as this family, as this body, and we must care for them. And the best way to do that is not each person giving a little bit to that person directly, but pooling it in the hands of these people named deacons who are charged specifically to care for people within the church. We, we give to the, the church, and it distributes to each as they have need. And so do we give 10%? No, but uh, I think what we can learn from the 10% is that that's probably a pretty good place to begin. It seems hard to imagine that before Jesus Christ came, God wanted 10% from his people. After Jesus Christ came and uh, you know we saw the true fulfillment of what God's doing in this world, that we would now be less generous than that. give more. Um, but absolutely, I, it's hard to imagine why you would want to give a whole lot less or how you could defend giving a whole lot less. And, and again, we've got to be so careful here that we're not starting to create law where there is no law. But if we are to be generous, if we are to live as people who are under grace, if we are to understand that we as Christians are a body, if, if we're to understand that we owe care to one another within the body of Christ, then of course we'll want to be generous. If we One of the excuses I often, that response was perfect because it actually leads to one of the questions I often get that there are those who argue that generous giving is just an excuse to give less since God does not command us to tithe. And it's it's a very debatable topic, but he really had some good insights on it. Here's Here's what he said. Um, however, there are people for whom their needs are very high and their income is very low, and perhaps that's all they can do. So this is where I think we have leeway to define generosity in, in various ways, and what's generous to one person might be stingy to another. And uh, I, I met somebody recently who lives off 10% and gives away 90%. Well, for most of us, that's not only impossible, that's inadvisable. But the Lord has blessed him in such a way that he earns a lot of income, and it's really his joy to to give away that much. He, he considers that a great joy and a great blessing. So um, for him, generous giving is not an excuse to give less. It's an opportunity to give more.
we on this podcast often like to talk about um, obligations as believers to the less fortunate. What what's our what does God command us to do, and what does that look like? And we asked him this question uh, to help us shed some light on it. Here's what he said. In Christ, we are bound together, and and you know, as Christ's body, He gives us this metaphor where Christ is the head, and each one of us are, are a part or a member of His body. So we're joined together through Christ and into one another. So we really are, in that way, a, an organism, a, a one being. And and of course, then we want to care for one another. You know, so if there's somebody who's lacking, if there's somebody who does not have enough then it should be our joy to help that person. Now, we have a much lower obligation to people who are outside the church. It doesn't mean we ignore them, but that our first call is to serve one another. Well, even before that, to serve our families, then to serve one another. Um, There's that warning that a man who does not care for his family, and the the implication there is through provision, through uh, generosity, that man, the person who does not care for his family is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. don't think that is the central calling of the the local church today the central calling is and first calling is to one another i i often get a lot of questions from my clients online um other believers that i um i come in contact with and some of the questions i often get asked is should we pray for god to make us prosperous as jabez prayed so that we can have more to give others. And for many that also struggle to live generously and give to those around them and those who are in need. Handle wealth well. I think we've all had these little daydreams, these little fantasies where we've become the richest person in the world and we just live constantly giving, 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 you know, where we've thought, man, if I just made a little bit more, here's what I would do with it. And yet we find that as our money grows, so too do our cares, so too do our needs, so too do our bills. And we tend to live up to the lifestyle that our money can support. And so, you know, the person I met who's giving away 90%, he's He's making vast sums of money, but he's driving a very old car and living in a very small house. So he has very purposely kept his lifestyle at a very minimal level so he can keep his giving at a very high level. Most of us, though, we tend to increase our our lifestyle as our giving goes up. So if you're praying for increasing wealth, well, you might actually be in the back of your mind or perhaps just really practically praying for an increased lifestyle. Um, so if you really, uh, you know, there are some people I think God's specially gift in generosity. And if you've really done the work in your heart and you really believe that, no, that is my gifting and it is my joy, then, yeah, why not pray? Pray that the Lord would prosper you even more, but just be sure that you're not then ramping up your lifestyle to keep up or even to surge ahead of your new income. The human heart is very, very tricky in these ways.
us, but we're never told to imitate it. We're never said, this is the way Christians live, where God give me more and I will do this with it. Um, that's just the story. So we don't want to draw very clearly from that and then ignore the wider text, especially it's easier for uh, a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter heaven. If you're praying for wealth, you better be praying that as well, that God would protect you from that faith. believe that you're generous with much. If you're stingy with little, there's absolutely no reason to think you'd be anything less than stingy if the Lord absolutely prospered you with tons of money. One teaching that is very common today in relation to the given is the idea of seed faith offering. Some have taught that a seed faith offering is money given in faith that God will multiply it and return it to the giver. That the more money you give, the more faith you have, the more money you will get in return. And many people use Matthew 17, 20, that says, Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing is impossible for God, for you. And um, Luke 38, where it says, Given, it will be given to you, a good measure, pressed down, shaking together. These passages have been used uh, by a lot of prosperity teachers, and um, we, we asked what he thought about this teaching and how we believers should respond. Really, uh, before it was established as something more than a very few number of Christians even believed in. And it's always been associated with what we know now as the prosperity gospel. And that's a, that's a gospel that's very closely associated with health and wealth, right? With these very... Um, the, these blessings that we encounter here in this life, that Christ died not just to free us from sin, but to free us from sickness, to free us from poverty. And so I'd be very, very careful with that idea of seed planting. It's, the, the Bible does not give us this notion that planting seeds like that necessarily brings about a harvest, that if I give one dollar, I, I will have a return of a hundred. Um, almost invariably, the people teaching that are people who are hoping it will be true for them, and uh, it becomes almost like a multi-level marketing kind of thing. You know, you draw people in with that teaching and hope that you'll benefit. And uh, But it is not grounded in Scripture. The, the scriptural command is, I will give and give and give. And even if I never see that return, I'm storing up treasures in heaven. And the real return I'll get will be in seeing how God has used these, how he's brought glory to himself. I don't need to be rich here. I don't need to be wealthy or powerful here. I will give because God says to do it. I'll give because I love him and want to obey him. And I'm going to trust him for the returns. If you're giving in order to get back here and now, uh, then you've got to question your motives in the very first place. I mentioned in a previous episode that um, giving is not, we give more so not because God needs our money, but because God needs our heart. And I know that there are people that struggle with given to the local church versus their family members in dire need or even in less fortunate parts of the world. And so we, we asked him, how do we, how do we balance that? And as a follow-up, what should our priority be? Here's what Tim said. I 
have the opportunity to encounter many different cultures. And we see that different cultures have different responsibilities from children to their parents. So that in some cultures, it's an absolutely normal thing for parents to request or demand money from their children. In other cultures, it's an absolutely unthinkable thing or a very shameful thing for parents to request or demand money from their children. So uh, when it comes to support, I think that will vary a little bit. Um, I, I really believe that, okay, we do have to care for our family members. Again, that, that command that if, we, if a man does not care uh, for his family, especially the members of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That's something we really need to ponder. Um, how, what kind of family, what kind of household that applies to? Is it just my own children? Is it also my parents? Is it aunts and uncles? I think that can vary a lot. Uh, what if people are simply squandering that money? What is my responsibility then? There's a lot to think through, a lot to pray through. Um, but generally and ideally, I, I believe the biblical command would be that we give our money to the church, and we're in a church that we love and trust. We have a lot of trust for the people in that church and the way the money is used. So we as a community of believers are pooling our money and then using it together toward different causes. So that's primarily the support of that local church, paying a pastor so he can set aside his life to prepare sermons and visit with people and minister to them, but then also hopefully mission together. So instead of I'm giving to this missionary and you're giving to that one, the other one, and we're all giving little bits, churches together pooling their resources and saying, this is our person here. We are giving to him. We're supporting that work. And then the whole church is behind it in giving, in prayer, and other means yeah, I really see the church then as the as the the hub. You know, we're pooling together. So together we're excited about this. Together we're praying for this. Together we're we as a community, as the body here, we're together in this, and together we're we're doing this work for the Lord. So this was part one of the Team Challenge interview, and uh, part two would be coming out shortly. You can follow us on. Twitter at SA Capital Canada, on our Facebook, uh, just search for SA Capital Advisors, or you can also subscribe on our website, sacapital.ca slash podcast, so that you can get notification on when part two is out. Thank you so much for listening to the Dollar Savvy Podcast. You can find us at sacapital.ca slash podcast, and you can reach us at 1-888-365-8883, extension 377, or send us an email at podcast at sacapital.ca. You've been listening to the Dollar Savvy Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Adeyemi. Thank you. Hey, I'm Anthony B. Mitchell, co-owner of Madden & Mitchell Media and producer of the Dollar Savvy Podcast. Shayun and the SA Capital team want to thank you for tuning in. It's appreciated so much that we want to give you a chance to win a gift card prize. If you're hearing this, you completed the first step by listening to the podcast. For the second step, you'll have to email this episode's code. Email the code to be entered into the draw. The winner will be announced on the next episode. Please email podcast at sacapital.ca to claim your prize before the following Wednesday set from the release date of this podcast. You can view more details in the description or in the latest SA Capital newsletter. This episode's code is savings. Madden and Mitchell Media.